Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 31st, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to dive into the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson, and joining me on today's episode are Slash Film writers Y. Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, guys, let's jump into the news. Uh, first up, A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper's directorial debut, has uh, hit the film festival circuit and reviews are in. HT, what are people saying about this movie? So this film just made its debut at the Venice International Film Festival, and it's getting rave reviews. This is the third remake of A Star is Born, the most recent being the 1970s version starring Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand, but you may know as well the Judy Garland version. Um, so this is directed by Bradley Cooper as, and starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga in the lead roles. And uh, A Star is Born, um, if you may remember a few weeks ago, had a sort of premature review accidentally put, hit the web. And it was glowing and gushing. And people wondered whether this uh, remake could actually live up to these high expectations. And it does. Um, Robbie Collin from The Telegraph marvels that Bradley Cooper, making his directorial debut with this movie, uh, directed a masterpiece on his first try. That's a quote from him, from his tweet, actually. And he says in his review, uh, but though it hews to a familiar, familiar, arguably predictable shape, it does so from an exhilarating ringside perspective. Scenes thump with truth from the stadium set pieces, which were shot at a number of real-life gigs, including last year's Glastonbury Festival, and have the live wire fizz of Scorsese's concert films to the intimate sequences back and off stage. Um, other such reviews are as, um, uh, I don't want to say hyperbolic, as as gushing. And uh, they also praise Lady Gaga in particular. This is her first uh, leading role in a feature film. And they say that she is um, she's quite a natural at this role. And uh, it also helps that the film is apparently has a rich metafiction fictional hypertext, according to the film stages Leonardo Goy, who um, says that the film sort of builds around her character's rising star, and uh, she more than shoulders the the burden of that um, of that role. So it's getting pretty good reviews. Some people uh, balk a little bit at 
about the that about the film being a remake and treading really familiar ground but otherwise it works really well because of cooper's um directorial style and also lady gaga and, and bradley cooper's uh strong performances well that's very encouraging i mean i have not seen lady gaga's work on american horror story i know she showed up on at least one season of that show but i've seen her pop up in movies like sin city a dame to kill for and like machete kills but this sounds like it's an entirely different uh level for her in terms of performance which is great to hear and um ht are you looking forward to this i mean even even aside from these reviews does this movie look like something that you're interested in seeing i've been looking forward to this since the trailer hit i think i was the only one on this team who was really excited by that trailer i think it was a phenomenal trailer that really built on that um big musical note that Lady Gaga hits towards the end and it really it sent chills down my, down my spine every time I watch it. Um, I am a closet Lady Gaga fan. I was used to be a huge fan of hers uh, when I was in high school so I'm really excited to see her on screen and see how she does as an actress um, and I, I think um, I haven't seen any of the other stars born films. I need to remedy that by the time this movie comes out but I'm excited to see this movie uh, whether it's an old tale or not. Cool. Chris, what about you? Are you looking forward to this one? I am, actually. I'm going to see it at TIFF next week, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, maybe you can bring us a, a report back and let us know what you think. Uh, let's move to our next item, and that is Woody Allen's next movie has been shelved by Amazon. Chris, what's going on with this one? Uh, yeah, so uh, I feel like everyone knows um, Scandal has followed Woody Allen around for a very long time in his career when he was... Um, accused of sexually assaulting his adopted daughter and even though that's been news for a very long time he's continued to you know just make movies constantly uh but you know as everyone knows things have changed in the last year with the, the me too and the time's up movements and uh, uh as a result of that it seems like uh, it's the, the news is finally maybe catching up with Woody Allen. Um, just the other day, it was announced that he was taking time off from directing for the first time since 1981. And then right after that, word came that Amazon was shelving his next movie uh, called A Rainy Day in New York. Um, a few years back, Amazon signed a big deal with Woody Allen to distribute a bunch of stuff. They distributed a, a TV series he made called A Crisis in Six Scenes and... They also distributed the movie Wonder Wheel, and neither of those were met with very glowing reviews. And uh, while Amazon didn't give a specific reason as to why they're shelving the film, I think everyone can pretty much read between the lines and realize this has a lot to do with the, those accusations that have been following him around for most of his career by now. Yeah, I know like a lot of the actors involved have since come out and basically like spoke out against Woody Allen and, and uh, a couple of the actors have even like donated their salaries to uh, organizations that work with victims of sexual assault and, and misconduct and stuff like that too, right? Yes, that's correct. Um, Rebecca Hall, uh, Timothy, how do you say it? Chalamet, is that correct? Yeah, Chalamet. Chalamet. Yep. Chalamet and Griffin Newman, who are all in the film, all donated their salary to the film to um, organizations like that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think I think the Amazon deal that Woody Allen signed involves three more movies beyond A Rainy Day in New York. So I read um, in one of the reports that we had on the site that like Amazon might end up trying to get out of that deal. And it would basically the way for them to do that would be to like give Woody Allen a huge payout to sort of break the contract there. 
Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen or if Amazon is actually you know, intending on doing that or if they're just going to sort of lay low for a while and see what happens here. But yeah, this seems like sort of a nightmare scenario in our current uh, societal context to try to promote a Woody Allen movie, especially one where the stars are not even interested in the movie itself and, and like actively distancing themselves from their own director, a writer director. So uh, yeah, that's uh, seems to be quite a stumbling block for Woody Allen's next. We'll have to see what Amazon does with that. If they maybe like, um, you know, quietly put it up on Amazon Prime Video or something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll keep you guys posted. Uh, one other um, news story that is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, going from Woody Allen movies to potential superhero movies. Uh, Chris, tell us about what Wesley Snipes has been saying about Blade 4. Uh, yeah, so I feel like everyone in the world, and I'm just going to assume this is true, everyone in the world wants Wesley Snipes to come back and play Blade again for Blade 4 or some sort of Blade related entertainment and Wesley Snipes sounds like he wants to do it too. And he gave a very vague interview with vice where he said, there's a lot of conversations going around right now. And he said, uh, quote, we've created two projects that fit perfectly into this world. And when people see them, I think they're only going to have a problem with deciding which one they love the most End quote. Uh, so he doesn't give any specific, he doesn't say what these are and they could literally be anything. So I, you know, feel free to speculate wildly as I do in, in the story on slash But I don't know. I mean, the fact that he doesn't come right out and say they're movies makes me think these aren't movies and it's going to be something maybe on Netflix. I don't know, but, uh, you know, it, it could be a very, you know, it could be, anything really and maybe he's not saying specifically what they are because the deal isn't done yet and he doesn't want to you know screw it up but you know if if you're hoping for more blade with wesley snipes it looks like there's a very good chance it might be happening but we don't have any actual specifics other than this quote i love that quote too because it's like the perfect hype man quote where it's like it says something and you know enough to get people psyched even though they don't even know what they're getting excited for um i i think for me my mind immediately goes to Disney's streaming service, which do you guys remember the name of that? We just talked about it on a recent episode of the show. Disney Play. Disney Play. That's right. Okay. They really missed so out gonna... on not making it Disney Vault. They really did. Yeah, I can't. That's why I couldn't even remember it. Disney Play. That's such a, a like a boring name. But anyway, um, I imagine that you know Marvel is going to have some live action content for that streaming service, and maybe if this is not a movie, or maybe it could be like a direct to that streaming service movie or it could be a tv series or something like that um i feel like that would be a more likely home for it than netflix at this point just because of the disney marvel connection um do you guys like so i haven't seen blade in a long long time but i know it's like very beloved in the comic book movie community like fan base um because it was sort of the first out of the gate really i mean not not the first exactly because you've got like richard donner superman and tim burton's batman but for a long time there was this um, fallow period where there weren't really many superhero movies, and then Blade came around, around in, what, 1998 or something like that, and, and really sort of uh, formed a launch pad for, like, X-Men and Spider-Man to, to jump off of, and, and that really, like, kick-started the whole comic book movie movement as we know it today. Um, what do you guys think about Blade, like, looking back on that film, and are you interested in seeing more uh, of Wesley Snipes in that role in a movie or a TV show? What do you think is the best 
form for that character. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. I mean, I would love a movie. I love Blade. I love. I even like the third one, which everyone, including Wesley Snipes, hates. I like that one. And anyway, but and I would love to see a movie and. But I don't know, the thing that gives me pause, and I mean no disrespect to Mr. Wesley Snipes, but he's not as you know young as he was when he made Blade. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's still in great shape, but I don't know how that would look. So I don't know. Like, a part of me thinks this is going to be like an R-rated cartoon with him voicing Blade, because that would be like mm. the easiest way to bring him back without making a movie. But I don't know. I would prefer a live-action movie, but I don't know if that'll happen. H.T., do you have any uh, relationship with the Blade uh, franchise, and what do you think about this? I saw the first Blade a long time ago, but I don't remember much of it. Wasn't there a recent relaunch uh, in the comics of Blade's daughter, uh, which would I think would be an interesting sort of new uh, sort of spin-off movie or series if they decided to go back to that property? Uh, because... Yeah, like like Chris said, Wesley Snipes is a little bit older now. It would be cool to see him sort of handing off the Blade <laughs> title, <laughs> the Blade, to uh, his daughter and have her be the new lead. So I don't know. That could be a possibility as well. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, when I interviewed John Boyega for Pacific Rim Uprising earlier this year, there was this fan art going around of him as Blade. And I asked him about that and he hadn't seen it before. And I showed him the picture and, and I basically was like, you know, uh, what do you think about this? And he said, when I think about Blade, I think, whoa, Wesley Snipes is coming back. We would all love to see Wesley come back one more time before we move on to anybody else. So Chris, your, your statement, at least uh, in the beginning, appears to be true of John Boyega. He at least wants to see Wesley Snipes come back as well. Um, so with that, we're going to bring on Jacob Hall, the managing editor of Slash Film, to talk about our last news story of the day. Jacob, welcome. Hey, Ben. How's it going? I am doing great. So tell us about our last news story, which is Star Wars Land has announced that they're going to have a cantina. And there's a, a bit of a an uproar about the idea of this bringing alcohol to Disneyland for the first time. What's going on here? Well, as we all knew, there would be a cantina coming to Star Wars Land, or as is properly known, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, but what's interesting here is that this will be the first time alcohol will be publicly for sale at Disneyland. If you're a Disney World uh, goer like me, who grew up going to the Florida park, maybe this may have you going a little bit like, oh, okay, that's how is this special? Because the Florida parks, of which are four in one, one piece of land, have had alcohol for a long time. And the Magic Kingdom, the Disneyland equivalent park over in Florida, has had alcohol since 2012. But Disneyland, the original core park built in 55, has never had alcohol outside of Club 33, which is the extremely exclusive private club on the premises that nobody gets into unless you're extremely wealthy and privileged. Uh, so this is a first for the for Walt's original park, even though the park next door, uh, California Adventure, has had alcohol for a while. So well, let's talk a little bit before we get to the controversy. I guess I want to talk a little bit about the cantina itself, which, according to the Disney Parks blog, is even called a Ogre's Cantina, and I'll read a little bit from their description. Visitors come to this notorious local watering hole to unwind, conduct shady business, maybe, maybe even encounter a friend or a foe. Run by an intriguing alien pro proprietor, Olga Guerra, the cantina adheres to a strict code of conduct to try to keep its unruly patrons in check. But the history of being a smuggler's safe haven and a popular shopping point for those uh, seeking to avoid the authorities, you can bet the cantina has a story or two to tell. So this, this aligns with what we've heard about Galaxy's Edge, which is heavily themed, all employees in character, so you'll be at the bar being served by people in alien costumes, uh, acting like they're actually in an alien world. So it's be extremely immersive, uh, and you'll be drinking drinks that will probably have alien names, and will 
uh, won't say like, you know, Tequila Sunrise. They'll say, I don't know, Tatooine Gargle Blaster. And, <laughs> uh, but they will have alcohol. And naturally, this has caused some, um, I don't know, whenever people talk about Disneyland in particular, there is this uh, sense of history there. It's a park that's, that's, it's the first major theme park, the one that all others are measured against. It is still very much structured like how it was back in the 50s. Some rides in the 50s are still around. Uh, it's It has a more devoted, passionate following than maybe any other theme park in the world. Even Disney World uh, doesn't have like the fervent, dedicated, nothing-must-change fan base as much as Disneyland does. And Walt himself, or Walt Disney himself, uh, excuse me for calling him by his first name, he's a bit of a monster, uh, <laughs> as much as I admire the man. Um, he... He has a quote where he said that alcohol should not be served in Disneyland from, you know, 60 years ago, which people have been pouncing on this week. So as someone who has been drinking at Disney World and getting drunk at Epcot for a decade now, I'm curious uh, <laughs> what you guys think. Is this a big deal to you guys? I mean, I know, uh, Ben, you've been to Disneyland more than I have. I'm a Disney World guy. So is, does alcohol at Star Wars Land really taint what makes Disneyland the uh, happiest place on Earth? I don't think so at all. Um, and I think, I feel like it, it uh, will sort of, um, I don't know. I, I, am always in favor of giving people the option, right? Like that's almost across the board on nearly any issue. I feel like just give people the choice. Like I, I always prefer it as a consumer to have the choice of, yeah, I'm going to try that or no, it's not for me, but I'm not going to like freak out about something. So I, I understand what you're saying. And, and yes, Disneyland has its, fair share of like hardcore traditionalists and I don't blame them, but this seems like um, a slightly overblown reaction to something, especially considering there has been alcohol sort of peppered throughout other Disney properties for so long. Um, I guess this is like seen as like the last barrier of purity or something <laughs> for, for Disneyland. I don't know. It's just such a strange thing for people to get uh, up in arms about, but um, I, I don't know. I, I want to turn it to you guys like uh, HC and Chris, I, or actually Chris specifically, because um, you don't particularly strike me as a theme park guy. And I think we may have talked about this on the, on a previous episode of the podcast, but uh, would you be interested in attending a park like this? Because I feel like if you were, this cantina would be where you spent a decent amount of your time. <sighs> I got to say, hearing Jacob describe what this is just is exhausting. I can't imagine wanting to do this. I don't know. I, I know I'm the, the miserable person, but the thought of like all this theme stuff, you know, like it's like playing this. It's like being trapped in David Fincher's The Game. That's what this <laughs> sounds like to me. And I don't I don't know. That movie is a nightmare. The movie's all about how if you're trapped in a big immersive game, it's terrifying. And that's what I think of when I hear this park described as like, you got to play along with the, I would just be like, ah, just leave me alone. I just want to have a drink. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Just leave me be. But that's me. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to leave you out on an Island, Chris. I feel like I'm my, uh, my own uh, preferences align a lot with yours when it comes to that stuff. I cannot imagine going to this and actually getting you know, excited about the idea of like people in costumes coming up and bothering me. <laughs> like I, you know, the, the worst part about theme parks to me is all of the people. So the idea that this is going to be um, something where, you know, uh, like the, it's cool on paper, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how this translates, especially in its first, like, I don't know, two or three years when 
as seemingly every day is probably going to be packed because everybody and their mother wants to come visit this world and get immersed in in Star Wars lore and and see you know Disney go all out to sort of bring people into this crazy universe. HT, what do you think about this? Are are you um are you a little bit more open to the idea of uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? Uh, I'm the immersive part actually scares me a little too, but I'm also not the target demographic. I like Star Wars, but I don't want to be in it. On the other hand, if I were in a Disney movie, a Disney princess movie, I might be more uh, open to the idea. Like they, I think Jacob was talking about the be your guest uh, area where you can, you know, be uh, involved in the Beauty and the Beast sort of uh, dining area and drink there. Um, my only worry, my only concern really is um, the prospect of dehydration because at Disneyland, Disney World, you're walking around so much in the sun, it's hot, there's barely any places to drink water. If you're going to drink alcohol, it'll just like pass out and and, and uh, die. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. And although drinks will probably be really expensive too. I, I remember buying a butterbeer at Harry Potter Land, which had no alcohol and it was way overpriced. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. But I could probably bring my own drinks if I could <laughs> rather than buy spend so much on those drinks just when no matter how fancy they are. You don't want to say that on the air. Uh, Disney people will will come track you down. But uh, Jacob, I imagine that you are the type of person who does want to be immersed in this, right? Like, are are you already planning your first trip to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, I want to inject some positivity back into this grim, dark, dark room <laughs> and say this sounds amazing. I'm the kind of person who, uh, Peter and I are the theme park guys. It's a shame Peter couldn't be on the podcast today because he's a Disneyland guy. But, you know, growing up and going to Disney World every three or four years in my family, it was a ritual. And over the past 20 years, we've watched as parks have gone from being theme parks to being these immersive experiences. I mean, Harry Potter really raised the bar over uh, at Universal. And Disney is firing back with Star Wars saying, if you got that much, we're going to do this much. And that to me is, is really thrilling. But I'm also the kind of person who, you know, I, I play RPGs. I play video games. I like to experience worlds and, and like fictional adventures. I like to have those um, unreal experiences where I can make choices and uh, and interact with things that aren't real and, and have this sort of improvisation. I know earlier this year I went at Subway Southwest. We had a podcast where I talked about the Westworld experience they had built there where it was a giant western town full of uh, actors playing robots, playing cowboys, and to, to let you simulate being in Westworld. And being in an area where there were actors who were in character, who were serving you drinks and serving you food, uh, or also just wandering around causing trouble, and being able to walk up to them and have conversations in character and see how they bounce off you was fascinating. And there were people out there who just wanted to sit down and drink, people there who were just chilling out having conversations and not participating, who were just enjoying the vibe. So... I think that Star Wars Land is going to be a thing where you get what you put into it. If you want to just be in the area and have a drink and chill out and have fun, which may, may be hard the first five years when there's no elbow room, uh, that's fine. But I do think this is the kind of thing where it, it's going to be as, as much as you choose to interact with it, uh, it will pay out that much. 
I think that's probably true. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think I would definitely be one of those types of people who is much more content to just like admire the, um, the aesthetics and like the, uh, I don't know, look at it from like a more analytical perspective instead of like trying to get sucked into any sort of story that they're trying to, um, incorporate me into as a guest. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Peter has to say about this. Maybe we can bring it up next time he's on the show and just get him to, to sound off here, uh, for a couple minutes. But, uh, that is going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. And I think because Monday is Labor Day, we're probably not going to have a show that day. So just, uh, wanted to throw that out there so you guys aren't expecting one um before we go where can people find all of your work uh, or our work online um hg let's start with you you can find me writing every day at slashfilm.com and i'm on twitter at htranbui chris i'm also at slashfilm.com and i'm on twitter at c evangelista 413 jacob uh, slashfilm.com every single day and i'm on twitter where i'm at jacob s hall I am at SlashFilm.com as well. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears, and you can find more about all of the story we, uh, the stories we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find at SlashFilm.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And uh, don't forget to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com if you have any thoughts about our alcohol in Disneyland. Let us know about that. Uh, please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on on the air in a future episode. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Adventure awaits at every turn in Cedar City, Utah. Hike through breathtaking Red Rock Canyons, bike along scenic trails, and enjoy a meal at one of our favorite restaurants. While you're in town, catch a show at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, a Tony Award-winning theater experience with shows going all summer. Bring the whole family for unforgettable moments, from thrilling outdoor adventures and stunning national parks to charming downtown festivals and events. There's so much to discover in Cedar City, Utah. Check out visitcedarcity.com to learn more.